0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yannion. For the next number of days, I'm gonna be taking up the subject, what do you do when your nation's falling apart? And we see it all around us. We're gonna talk about the solidness of God's word, the dependability of God's word. And even though we have a great constitution for our country, something outranks it. It's the word of God. And he told David who told us, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children out begging bread. That's the
1: same God we have. Let's go to the word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back again to Student of the Word. We're glad to have you. I'm gonna be taking up for the next few days on what to do when your nation's falling apart. And that's exactly what we're seeing around us. There's so many divided opinions. I'm gonna come back to what the word of God says. Are we going to come back as a nation? We may for a while, but ultimately we're going to fail. And that's because God has predicted it in the word of God. Only one nation will survive when everything is said and done, and that will be Israel. And so in the meantime, I'm trusting God. I wanna vote for the right people. I'm doing it out of patriotism. But really, we're going to come back to what should our responsibility be the closer we get to the coming of Jesus for the church and the closer that the coming of the tribulation comes to the planet we're living on because the signs are everywhere and indicating that we will be gone soon. When? I don't know. Soon might be 10 minutes. Soon might be 10 days, 10 years. It may be 15 years. I don't know. But you know what? In the meantime, what is that to God? What kind of time period is even 15 years to God? It's not very much. Once you open to Psalm 37, we're going to take a look at verse 25, and this is a Psalm of David when he was older, looking back on his life, and I simply want you to understand that God has always taken care of you. God will take care of you. He will not fail. And so we're going to be giving scriptural answers to the general questions being raised today and the great fear that seems to be coming across Christians today as to what we're going to do. Uh, You know, others have faced these time periods before, Old Testament and New. The nation of Israel has been attacked so many times. The people of God had to learn to depend on the Word of God and the Word of the prophets, which was the which was the Word of God. The prophets wrote the Word of God. Today, we have so many so-called prophets that are prophesying things that don't come to pass. And in the midst of that, there's got to be some good ones. There's got to be some that genuinely want to serve God. I, You know, I've had a hard time finding them. It seems like most of the words we get are for the moment. They don't come to pass. We're on to another word. And if you even question the prophets today, they simply tell you, don't touch God's anointed. Well, if you were God's anointed, then God's anointing on you would cause these things to come to pass. You would be prophesying according to what God has told you, not according to something you're just making up. And so again, we're going to come back to what does the word of God say? Because if there's anything you can totally depend on, and that is God and his word, his word lives and abides forever. Not one thing in the word of God is not true. In fact, his word is called truth. So let's take a look at Psalm 37. The first question that people are coming up to is, well, if if times get bad and the rapture doesn't come soon, before the time of the rapture, will God take care of me? Well, I simply ask you this, has God been good to you so far? Well, of course. But you know, fear is always future. And it's like the God that's taking care of me has always taken care of me, but oh, it's all gonna stop tomorrow or else it's gonna get so bad, even God can't come through and he's gonna be so busy trying to help everybody else, he's gonna forget about me. The answer is no, you're etched in the palm of his hand. He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. He takes care of you, watches over you and it comes back to this again. Will God take care of me? Yes. Has God been good to me so far? Yes. Will he fail in the future? No, he cannot. If he failed, he wouldn't be God. One failure on God's part would literally take him off the throne, disannul him as God, and that's not going to happen. Psalm 37, let's take a look at verse 25. This verse appears in the middle of this psalm, and David is standing in the middle of this psalm looking back on time and looking forward in time. He's looking back in time at his own life and how God has taken care of him. He's looking forward in time that when he's gone, God's going to still take care of everybody, and as faithful as God has been to him up until now, if he's in his 70s or 80s at this time, that God who's been faithful to him all these years will be faithful to those following after him. So in the middle of the psalm here in verse 25, David says this, I have been young, and now am I old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging bread. One of the things that he brings out in this Psalm over and over again is the word fret. And he talks to young people, says, don't fret. In verse one and verse seven, he says, don't fret over evildoers, those who wrongly prosper. And the word is mentioned many times again in this Psalm because fretting is just over worrying about what's going on at the moment. You see, here's what you're to do. The Bible says, don't forget all his benefits. Whenever you see evil coming, you start to fret. Stop and think about the past. Has God been good to you? Is it true what David said? I once was young and now I'm old, but I've never, never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. If God takes care of me, he'll take care of my children. And I've seen it before. The parents will pass on. The children will go on serving God and they will not be begging bread. Their children after them will not be begging bread. God takes care of them. I think there's a verse of scripture in, in, yes, in Matthew chapter six, where Jesus is talking about on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, think of the birds of the air. And he says, you know, uh, they fly over, but God always takes care of them. Think about this. Did you know the birds that are flying over don't think about food because food's always there? It's always there. And they don't look up the economy. They don't look every morning at Wall Street and open up their newspapers or look on their cell phone and find out what's going on on Wall Street. They just keep trusting in God every single day. Did you know the birds never knew we had a Great Depression? They flew over it. They never knew it was going on. They probably flew over and asked each other, what's that long line down there? Well, somebody's standing in line for something. Well, it was people buying bread or people getting bread, but they never th- concerned about it. They just kept going to places they always had been and crumbs were always available and snacks were always available and the birds always ate. Think about this. God said, if God will take care of the birds, won't he take care of you? He didn't die for birds, he died for you. Jesus went to the cross for you, and if he did not die for birds, but still watches over them, and he didn't die for flowers, but they still dress so nice, won't he take care of you? That's exactly what David said. I once was young, now my old, but I've never, I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children, that's the man's children, out begging for bread. Oftentimes we use this excuse, what about my children? Well, the God that takes care of you, will take care of your children. So in verse one and seven, here's what David said. Don't fret over evildoers. Boy, are we surrounded today by evildoers. In our government, we see evildoers. In the press, we see evildoers. We see those around us in business that are evildoers, and they've got an evil plan. They've got an evil plot. And he said, don't fret over evildoers who prosper for the wrong reason. They prosper because they're evil. They prosper for the moment. And any prosperity, a wicked man can get get is only for the moment. But when you walk in righteousness with God, your prosperity may not come as fast, but it keeps on coming. And by the time your life is over, you have enough to hand on to your children, your children's children. If they watch over it and they walk with God, that will continue to grow in their life and supply for their children and their children. God simply says here, don't fret over evildoers because they prosper for the wrong reason. If you prosper for the right reason, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their children begging bread. He also tells him in verse two, trust in the Lord, do good and feed on God's faithfulness. So trust in the Lord, continue living right, no matter what the world is doing. The pressure is all around us today. Just give up walking with God and be evil like everybody else. That's exactly what they want you to do but keep your trust in the Lord because the evil doers around us are temporary, but God is eternal. Their kingdom will flourish for a little bit and then die out when the tribulation's over, but God's kingdom will go on forever and forever. So it says again in verse two to trust in the Lord, do good and feed on God's faithfulness. Verse four says, delight yourself in the Lord. You know what delight means? Keep your eyes on God, keep your eyes on his word, and you can't do anything but delight yourself. You'll have the best attitude in the midst of a miserable world. While everybody else is fretting and stewing about what's going on, your trust will be in God, knowing this, if God takes care of birds, he'll take care of me. You know what, listen, for me to worry would place me below the level of a bird. For me to get concerned about what's going on, I have just placed myself below the level of a flower. God will take care of a flower, but he won't take care of Bob. God will take care of birds, but he won't take care of my wife. He will. He'll continue to take care of us. Why? Because he died for my wife and I, but he didn't die for flowers and he didn't die for birds. But if you watch this over them, think about this. He loves me so much. Jesus died for me. Surely he's going to take care of me. So verse four says, delight yourself in the Lord. Verse five says, commit your way to the Lord. The word way means your path. Where are you going today? I don't quite know. We'll just commit it to the Lord. He'll show you the path. He'll show you where the turns are. He'll show you where to go right. He'll show you where to go left. Commit your ways to the Lord and continue to trust in him. That's verse five. Verse seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. Christian answers don't always come overnight, but just keep resting on the promises of God. Wait patiently on him. And when the answer comes, it will always be at the right time. God is seldom early, but he's never late, but he always comes and shows you at exactly the right time. We always wanna know ahead of time. That's why we get so fretful. What am I gonna do tomorrow? What am I gonna do tomorrow? Is it tomorrow yet? No, but what am I gonna do tomorrow? You'll find out tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Verse nine and verse 11 says, wait on the Lord and the meek will inherit the earth. Look around you today. What we see everywhere is the fact that others own the earth. Others own the planet, it seems like it. And this is Satan's world for the moment. But it says in those verses of scripture, if you're meek or teachable, you will one day inherit the entire earth. So think about that as you look around you and it seemed like everything's being manipulated, that businesses are manipulating, governments are manipulating, evil people are are manipulating you. And it simply says, again, if you wait on the Lord, the meek will inherit the earth. And in verse 15, it says, don't fear the wicked. The sword will enter into their own heart. In other words, those who operate by wickedness and evil, they'll be the ones that die. Oh, they're saying you're going to die. They're saying they're going to kill you. But in the end, they're the ones that will die. We have eternal life. We'll be with Jesus in heaven and Jesus will rule and reign forever. I want to go back to that verse of scripture again, Psalm 35. Psalm 37 and verse 25, I have been young, now am I old but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Notice this phrase, I used to be young, now I'm I old, but as I reflect back on my life, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. If you can underline a word, underline that word seen, that's an interesting word. You know what David is saying? Usually, if you talk to people, they'll give you a scripture. In your old age, what David is doing is not giving scripture, he's giving testimony. He says, I've never seen the righteous. As I look back, I can't remember the righteous ever being forsaken. I've seen them go through problems, but God always comes through for them. On top of that, I've never seen their children begging bread. So, you know what this is saying? You need to hang around some old Christians those who've been around for a while, and question them. Don't just look to your young friends, they're fretting with you too. Find the older people who are sitting there talking, laughing in church. Go to them and say, how come you're talking and laughing in the midst of all this mess going on around? Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the children begging bread. God's always taken care of us. We've seen this before. The Great Depression, that came. Others have come. The 1980s were bad. As far as the stock market, we had crashes. We've had bad presidents, but you know what? God has never, ever failed us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. So this verse is simply saying, hang around older saints. You know what this means? Hang on to this thought, go to church. Quit saying, I'm not going to go to church. Things are falling apart. I'm not going to go to church. Listen, church has your answer. The pastor has answers. The preacher has the answers. And around your older people have put it to the test. They may not give you a scripture, but they're going to go back and give you a testimony, just like here in this verse of scripture that David did with us. So it simply comes back to this, be faithful to attend church and hang around older people and ask them about the past. And the same God that supplied for them when they were young now is supplying for them while they're old, and he will supply for you. Good stuff, isn't it? I'll see you right after the
1: break. One of the most fascinating topics in the Bible is end times. A study of the end times is especially appropriate for the time in which we live. For believers, this study will not result in fear and worry, but rather peace, comfort, and joy as we look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. As a companion to Bobby Anion's book, Understanding the End Times, this curriculum works well for a Bible group or as an individual study. Topics of study include the seven dispensations, the rapture of the church, Daniel's 70 weeks, the judgment seat of Christ, the temple discourse, the tribulation, the second coming, the antichrist, and the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. The package includes 10 30-minute video lessons on DVD or USB flash drive and comes with study questions and a copy of the book, Understanding the End Times. To order the End Times video curriculum, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. The reason
0: why I was telling you to go to church is this. Find yourself a good church that teaches the word of God, explains the word of God, lets the word of God speak for itself. And on the other hand, look around you and make sure there's older people, middle age, and younger people and children around. One thing I enjoy about our church when I go to the service, I look around me. There's children, there's 10, 12 years old, there's teenagers, there's young uh, people going to college. And then it goes right up to young people getting married, having children, and these, and then the grandparents are there too. And I look around, there's such an optimism toward the future because you look there and there's this great optimism that the God has provided for all these these years and brought us up to this. will continue to provide for us again. Again, get in church. Don't sit at home and not go to church. Don't find excuses for not going to church. Again, two things God will never say to you when you get to heaven. Number one, you gave too much money into the kingdom of God. And number two, you went to church too much. That will never be said to you. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourself together. Here's what the Greek says, as the habit of many has become. Once you start missing church, it becomes a habit. You'll find all kinds of excuses for not going to church because why, oh, I'd like to stay in bed. Oh, I just need my rest, all this. You need church. And you need it more than once a week. You need to find other prayer groups and and Bible study groups to become a part of. So again, uh, that's what David meant was I'd never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Older people are necessary in your life, as well as younger people. Why? Because by the time you're in your 20s, you can tell some 10-year-olds, come on, guys, shape up. I'm 20 years old. You know what? God's never taken uh, a time off from me. He's always taken care of me. And so you can begin to warn those that are younger than you, but especially those that are their older ages, 70, 80 years old, and they can come and tell you incredible stories of how they went through terrible problems, but God always brought them through. Number two, question number two, What do you do when your government turns against you? Well, we're seeing that right now happen in our nation. Our government is turning against us. Psalm 2 verses 1 through 6 prophesies this is going to happen and actually tells us that what's going on behind the scenes. I've asked this before. Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall and and go and be there during some of the leadership meetings in our Congress and Senate and our president in the Oval Office with all his advice? Wouldn't you love to be there and just hear what they have planned? They go, oh yeah. Well, I don't need to. God's there. God's the fly on the wall, and he wrote it in Psalm 2. He wrote, and the nations haven't changed. Their ambitions haven't changed. Their counsel hasn't changed, and their motives haven't changed. They are out for world domination, and they've been working for centuries, and it's just about to come to pass. And they've been working for centuries. Guess how long it's gonna last and succeed? Seven years. (laughs) That is so good for hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years. They've been planning on this and they just get it in and it falls apart in seven years at the return of Jesus Christ. Great things. If you don't know all this in in Bible prophecy, well, go to my website. I have lots of things on Bible prophecy and we're even offering it on this broadcast. Let's take a look at Psalm 2. I wanna take a look at verses one through six. And here's what the fly on the wall, Jesus. The fly on the wall, God, the fly on the wall, Holy Spirit, tell you here in Psalm, you don't need to go and try to find out what's going on. It hasn't changed a bit. This is still what they're talking about. Why do the nations rage and their leaders plot vain or empty things? They plan things that will not work out. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Notice this, against the Lord and his anointed. The Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. His anointed is us. We are the anointed. You know what? They hate Jesus and they hate Christians. If there's two things the world comes against and governments come against, it's the nation of Israel, because Jesus is going to rule and reign from there. This is where he died. This is where he forgave sins. And Satan's anger is against that city, and he wants his ruler to rule from there. So the first thing that Satan is against is Israel, but the next thing he's against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Israel and especially the church, also we are the ones that block the plans of Satan. We can't stop him totally, but we are the mud he has to swim through to get anything done. He is trying his best to get things done in this earth, and we've slowed him down and slowed him down. We've diverted him over here. We're kind of like those logs in the in the in the creek. You know, it makes the water run this way. That it makes it run this way. We have diverted Satan so long we can't stop him. Only Jesus will totally stop him. But he's planned on this long. Ago and has taken all this time to finally come to pass. So here's what they're saying. It says that the kings of the earth, verse two, said the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the church. And in verse three, they say, let us break their bonds in pieces. What they're saying is they slow us down everywhere. It's like they got chains around us. We got to break these chains and cast away their ropes from us. They've got us so tied up. They've got us, we can't, we can't hardly get anything done without running into the church, without running into their prayer groups, without running into into situations changing that God does that and we've got to stop them from praying. Verse four, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall hold them in derision. This verse says God's up there and God's the fly on the wall. He hears what they're saying. And he looks at Jesus and says, did you hear that? They're going to stop the church. And Jesus starts laughing. You mean the one that I said the gates of hell would not prevail against? Much less the government right now in the United States or in Germany or in England, they're not gonna stop it. Even if they all come together under one world leader, which they're going to do, he can't stop us because you know, you know what? I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lord. I am the president of presidents. I'm the leader of all leaders. And I have declared the end from the beginning and the end still looks good. It has not changed at all. He who sits in the heaven shall laugh. I love this next phrase. The Lord shall hold them in derision. God punches Jesus and said, did you hear what they said? <laughs> and they begin to make fun of them. God derides them, makes fun of them because they think they're going to overthrow God, overthrow Jesus. Christ, overthrow the nation of Israel, sit on the throne inside of the temple themselves, and they're going to overthrow the church of Jesus Christ. Well, they've got another thing coming because they're going to meet Jesus face to face one day, and they're going to find out exactly the power of God. He's not going to defeat them with armies coming from heaven. He's going to open up his mouth, and he's going to defeat all the armies of the world with the sword of the spirit that comes out of his mouth. He's going to speak and destroy them. Verse 5, Then he will speak to them in his wrath and distress in his deep displeasure. Verse six says, I have set my king on the holy hill of Zion. This means it has been done. It is a done deal. I have already set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Jesus Christ, as far as God is concerned, is already seated on the throne in Zion, in Jerusalem, in the temple. It belongs to him. This verse is actually quoted. The one I'm reading right here in Acts 4, when the Sanhedrin, in Jerusalem turned against the church and the church leaders and commanded them not to speak any more in the name of Jesus. Peter and John were dragged in and told never to preach again the name of Jesus. And they just looked at him and said, no, sir whether we obey you or we obey God. We have no choice in this. We're going to obey God and we will preach in the name of Jesus. And so they yelled at him again and sent them out the door. But you know what? They went back to church and they praised the name of Jesus. And then they went out and continued laying hands on the sick, casting out devils and preaching in the name of Jesus. The church met in Acts chapter four. They praised God and continued to preach and heal in the name of Jesus. Christianity survived, but the Pharisees did not. Isn't that interesting? the world systems do not survive satan systems do not survive but god's goes on and on and on so again when your government turns against you, what are you supposed to do? Stick with the word of God, stick with the plan of God, keep your mouth and your attention on the word of God and keep your optimism there because God has already planned the future. It is a done deal. It is set and it will come to pass. If you keep your eyes forward on where God is leading the church and you know what the scriptures have to say, then you can laugh at what the world has to say. When they tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can look at them and say, no, sir, I'm going to. If you're asking me to do something outside the word, of God, I'll think about that. But when you ask me to go contrary to God's word, then the answer is automatically no. God will take care of me and God always has taken care of me. And again, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. The God that's always been faithful will continue to be faithful now and throughout the days to come. Question number three is what do we say to the authorities when they come after us and they, and they command us again to stop preaching the name of Jesus? Well, we go back to that same verse of scripture, Acts, Acts chapter four tells us not only what to think and what to meditate on, but it also tells us what to tell them. Acts chapter four, verse 18 through 20. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God than you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What they said was, sir, you're pitting us against God and you pit us against God, we're gonna go with God. And when it's all said and done, God will still be here and you're gonna be gone one of these days, but we're going to stick with God in the meantime. We're not gonna take your momentary out for our self-protection. If you decide to come after us and persecute us, well, then you can do that, but we still will follow God. We will not turn from it. In fact, we're told in the book of Acts that the church was growing so fast And they tried their best to stop them, but the people wouldn't listen to the government. And they and even though they were persecuted and even killed, it caused them to spread even more. In other words, what it was like was they said that they were being spread abroad. The Greek word diaspora means to spread like seed. In other words, they thought, oh, look, we're scattering these Christians everywhere. You forgot something, their seed. And wherever they land, they produce more after them. And one produces 10, 20, 40, 50. And the multitude of Christians has kept on growing and prospering no matter where they went. The opening of the book of James deals with the same thing to the Jews who are dispersed. And the Greek word there is diaspora. Same thing. They left Jerusalem under great pressure. They're being persecuted by Saul and by the government of Israel, by also the Romans themselves. And during all that pressure, they just kept on moving to other places, starting churches, getting people saved. And the gospel just kept on increasing. They couldn't stop it. But Peter and John answered to them and said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. He put, they put the thing back on them. You answer the question, should we listen to you or should we listen to God? They wouldn't answer the question for we cannot, but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When do we disobey authorities asking us to do evil? It's when they tell us that we can't do something the word of God tells us to do, or we are to do something the word of God tells us we can't do. Our direction comes from the word of God. You know, back in the Old Testament, the Jewish women servants in Egypt, when the Pharaoh asked them to kill all the male babies that were born, they knew that was wrong. They knew it from the word of God, but they also knew it from the moral basis. You don't kill newborn babies. So they just let them go. And whenever they were questioned, they said, oh, these Jewish women are so strong. They have babies to get up, walk right off. We don't have time to even go after them. Rahab, when the spies were came to where she was, and the, uh, the leaders of the uh, nation there came looking for them. She hid them. And then when they came, they said, where is she? She said, oh, you just missed them. They were just here. They've already gone. She lied about it. But you know what? She did it in line with the word of God to protect God's people. And God protected her. God blessed her just like he did the servants in Egypt who were delivering babies. So there comes a certain time when people make us co- or ask us to contradict and do something in opposition to the word of God. We have every right to to say no, whether to obey God or whether to obey you, we have no choice. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.